Hello, and welcome to the Conscious Hoofbeat Podcast. This is a podcast that explores the interconnectedness of our health and the health of our horses through self-care, mindfulness, and personal development, along with a little equine wisdom and wellness. I am your host, Dr. Pamela Maynard. I am a published author and researcher, equine body worker, energy facilitator, and I am passionate about deepening our connection with horses. If you want a more meaningful relationship with your horse, it starts within yourself. So don't forget to go to ConsciousHoofBeat.com and sign up for our exclusive email list to get the Conscious Hoofbeat Monthly and start your journey today. Today, I have invited my Liberty trainer friend, Aaron Schroeder from Schroeder Stables in Casper, Wyoming, to come back and join us for a conversation about the four square model. Aaron is going to share with us these four very important components of horsemanship and um, break it down for us and give us a good foundation so that we can have a new awareness and better understanding of this. So welcome back, Erin. Thank you for joining me. Thank you for having me. How are you today? It's always good to be inside for a little while on a cold day. <laughs> right on. I know. I said, we said it in our last one. We're like, oh, it's, it's finally cold out. We can start doing podcasts. So uh, one good thing about winter. So let's just jump right in. Um, Things you've been on, and and if anybody wants to know more about Aaron, they can go back to our previous previous uh, podcast to learn more about her on our Riding After Forty series. And I just want to jump into this. I'm really excited. We've talked about it for a long time, and I'm excited to share it with our listeners. So let's start by explaining to us just exactly why this four square model is something we as horse owners should be aware of and start integrating into our horsemanship practice. Well, the four square model is something that I learned about through Stacy Westfall. And the components of that are the rider's mind, the rider's body, the horse's mind, and the horse's body. And those four things are, are very interconnected when you really start to look at what's going on with our horses. Um, but breaking each of those components down just becomes important because there are a lot of things within that that I just don't feel like we think about in enough in enough depth to really benefit ourselves and our horses and our journey together with them right our journey with our horse right yes why do you think people don't think about this is it just because we haven't been taught it in traditional horsemanship or do you like, what do you think that is around that? I think that we have not been taught this in traditional horsemanship. It's, you know, people tend to um, not really be aware of how much they're affecting the horse. Um, the horse kind of usually gets blamed for being, you know, 
stupid or spooky or hot or, you know. Um, so I just, I think that we're having a big shift to where people are becoming a lot more aware of how these things affect horse <laughs> training. And um, it's really better for the humans and the horses. I agree. So the first component is the rider's mind. And tell me what types of things would we want to address in this component? So <laughs> this actually can have so many different things. Um, you know, your mind, what you're thinking, what your intentions are, what your, you know, the story you're telling yourself, all of these things can really come into play with your horse. For instance, like, how do you feel when you think about going out and riding your horse? Um, because some people actually dread it. Like, they want to go do it, but just the thought of going to ride their horse sparks anxiety within them. So, you know, then they think about that to the point where the physical reactions start to happen. And by the time they get out there with their horse, you know, obviously the horses are going to pick up on that. Um, the other thing, you know, like why, why do you even want to <laughs> practice horsemanship? What is it that attracts you to the horses? What, you know, what are your goals with the horses? Do you have an agenda when you go out there? Are you just out there for the joy of being with your horse? I mean, there's so many things that can affect your dynamic with your horse when you get out there. So, I mean, you could have a whole conversation on each one of these if you, you know, if you really wanted to, but today we're just kind of giving an overview to you know, for people to become aware and maybe start to write stuff down in each of the components and think about it. Yeah. So one of the things that I do is I keep a journal on my horses and like if I have a lesson or go to a clinic or something really profound, like oh, I had a really great ride today. What do we do different? How did he react? I, I write it down. So I feel like this would be something like you could put, you know, four columns, right? And every day, like either before or after you're going out to work with your horse, you could have your, you know, writer's, writer's mind and write down what that is for you today. And maybe you don't even fill it all in at once, but I feel like this would be a great like journaling exercise to bring yeah. more awareness around this. So the next component would be and I don't know, it doesn't matter the order that these go in, by the way. Not, not really. I don't think so. Okay. So the first one was rider's mind. So the second component would be rider's body. Explain that to us a little more. So when you're sitting on your horse, you know, are you balanced? Um, because how you're sitting up there, how you're able to use your aids, those things are going to affect your horse. Um, you know, how clear are you able to use your aids? 
are, you know, are you balanced? Are you using your leg correctly? Are you using your seat correctly? Are your hands, you know, are your hands quiet or are they accidentally hitting that horse in the mouth because your seat is not independent at the canter, you know, things like that. So if a horse is breaking gait at the canter, but the rider is not real balanced and their seat is not independent, therefore their hands are, you know, accidentally bumping that horse in the mouth. Well, that's not, oh, you, you lazy horse, you're breaking gait. That's, you know, that's the rider. Um, that's a rider body problem. Um, but we tend to just kick harder and blame the horse. And so I think that we really need to be aware of our body and taking care of our body so we can ride better. I don't particularly like to exercise, but especially as I'm getting older, I try to exercise more just so that I can ride better. I wanna continue to be able to ride and ride well for as long as I can. And I am by no means the picture of fitness, but I'm gonna keep, you know, keep trying. It's like, I really need to clean up my eating and my that's my incentive for that because, you know, if I'm getting too overweight, then it's harder for me to, to ride well, it's, you know, so we really need to take that into consideration because we can cause a lot of problems if, you know, we're not doing what we need to do to be stronger and better and more balanced when we ride. Sure. Yeah. And I've seen issues even like, um, you know, the horse is lame or whatever. And it's really just like a, a bridle lameness because of incorrect riding and people just blame the horse, like you said. So there's a lot of factors into the rider's body. So the third component, now we've had the rider's mind, the rider's body. So now we talk about the horse's mind. What does that look like in this model? <clears throat> So for me, there are obviously a lot of things there too. Um, like how do they, how do they respond when you go to get them? So that's going to tell you like how they feel about interaction with you. You know, are they happy for you to come get them or would they rather not interact with you? Um, you know, what about when you're grooming and tacking them? Like, you know, if, if you pay attention, they're going to tell you things there too. What about, you know, how do they, how is their mind when they're taken away from their herd mates? Are they insecure? How are they with new objects? Are they, you know, are they confident? Do they want to go investigate it? Do they have that curiosity or are they just, afraid of anything new um you know that's going to kind of tell you a lot about how how your reactions would be for instance this was something that i really liked that work schiller was talking about you know somebody well my horse can't stand still tied in the trailer 
well, he said, you know, take the trailer away. The horse, can the horse stand still tied there? Well, no, they can't stand still tied there. So then I took that another step further. Can they stand still like ground tied? So if your horse can't stand still, that's a mind thing. The trailer has nothing to do with it. It just magnifies the problem. So really breaking apart how that horse, how your horse reacts to different, you know, stimuli, how they react to you, how they, you know, react to changes in their environment. Um, all of those things are gonna play into how your training sessions go. So, uh, not to get off course too much because I want to stick to the four modules, but how, how do you address that? The horse doesn't stand still whether he's in the trailer or not. How do you address that? Do you tie him to a tree for days on end till they learn to stand still? Is that good for their mm. mind? No. In <laughs> fact, you know, I've been down that route because that's what traditional things tell us to do. And, it, and I've had a really odd case with a mare that um like being tied in my indoor arena is really really difficult for her but it really like even for her to stand still in there like if I'm working her and I just stop and I just let her stand still that's really difficult for her because she's just this she is very insecure like her mind that's just how she is the whole time that she stands there you know if you just let her stand still and you have her on the lead rope she's very aware she's very tense she's you know um so i've gone to like having her learn to stand still there and having her learn to stand still ground tied and then having her learn to stand still ground tied near the wall where I would normally tie her because she doesn't even want to approach that wall because I have tried the method of just tying her there and leaving her there. And what all that did was um, create that wall that that wall is a point of anxiety because she wasn't mentally ready to stand still so then you know you tire that just makes it worse so i've had to like go through all these little steps to get her to where i can tie her on the wall and she's mentally okay with that now so just briefly in, in some of those steps, are you including like positive reinforcement to encourage the standing still part? Yes, I will. I will click for the right behavior. So sometimes that will be like, um, if you do it too much when you're right there with them, because for her, that's a big deal when you leave her. So I will actually start walking away from her and I will click her as I'm walking away. And she knows what the positive reinforcement is well enough to, you know, that that marks that behavior of her standing still and relaxing as I walk away. So, yeah, you're kind of breaking it down really thin. Um, 
is she perfect about standing there? Like, would I leave her tied in the indoor arena for three hours by herself? No, not yet. Is But she's a lot better about standing there than she was. I mean, trying to leave her tied all day. There was one day, you know, I did that for hours. She broke six tie rings that day. So obviously, <laughs> and so how how did that help her mind that day? Yeah, obviously, that just that approach was not going to work for her. And um, now it's been you know months since she broke anything. So um, I think it's also uh, fair and important to mention that this doesn't you know happen overnight, right? Like you didn't just handle the horse's mind issues in one Oh no it's going to be an ongoing thing there were some things that have been created in this mare since before I got her that you know I believe are why she has some of the behaviors that she has and she you know definitely this is going to be something that I'm addressing her the rest of her life I'm sure you know it's once they've had an experience that creates that anxiety, which I believe to be like a, an amygdala-based anxiety in her, it's, it's always going to be there. We can just help it, but we're always going to have to be aware of it. So from your experience, what do you believe happened to this mare to create these issues in the first place? Well, she has a lot of separation anxiety. Um, apparently, they were the boarding stable she was at when she was young. They were afraid to handle her. So um, all the other horses got turned out and she got left in her stall. Um, I don't think that helped her as far as separation issues. Um, I don't know all of her owners, but I know a little bit about them. And um, basically she had really well-intentioned owners, but they weren't experienced enough to handle her and they were afraid of her. And so she never had any confidence built because she's got handlers handling her that are scared of her. So like, you know, there was a lot of riding issues and stuff too when I first got her. Um, simply because she just did not have the leadership that she needed and therefore she couldn't develop a partnership either so and then it just gets deemed as she is a bad mare she is a dull mare they told me she was a dull mare and that she needed to be lunged with a stud chain She's actually one of the most sensitive horses I've met. She's extremely sensitive, mm. but nobody gave her the chance to be. Yeah, they her, didn't know, all, didn't, know yeah. didn't know what to do with her, right? They all didn't... of her behaviors were her trying to convey things that were upsetting to her, but nobody listened. So, so I love I've how never lunged her with a stud chain ever right. had to. Right. I love how this is all interconnected though. So the mare, we haven't even gotten to the fourth component yet. So we're talking about the horse's mind right now and the issues we're using this mare as an example. 
which started from the rider's mind of fear, right? Yes. And the rider's body of incorrect handling and riding. Yes. So, like there is incorrect riding as far as teaching her to canter. So, the rider was not real experienced at cantering to begin with. The mare was green at cantering. They balanced on her face. So, then in an effort to protect herself, what it became was every time they asked her to canter, she got scared and grabbed the bit. So <laughs> there was another product of all of those things. Right. So I, lo- I love how this is all demonstrating the interconnectedness of all of this. So if you're ready, should we move on to the fourth component? Sure. <laughs> which, which I think we've already started, you know, about the canner. So the fourth component is the horse's body. Let's, let's dive into that. So a big thing here for me is like, is my horse physically capable of what I'm asking it to do? Okay, so this, I mean, this can be for performance riders. This can be for trail riders. This, you know, so am I, you know, if you have a 16 two-hand thoroughbred, built really upright and you want to do reining, like they're not really going to be physically capable of what you're asking. Um, so you need to take that into consideration. Like, can you still teach maneuvers? Yes. But are they going to excel there? No. If you like to trail ride in some rough country and stuff and you don't go and you don't ride all winter long, you leave your horse set out in the pasture and summer comes along and you go ride him for 10 miles, is your horse physically capable of what you're asking? No, you, no. they're not. <laughs> and you're going to end up with a really sore horse. Um, Who's who's probably going to resent you the next time you pull him out to work him or ride him. Right. So that's a big one for me because I feel like it's really unfair if you haven't, you know, put the time into fitting your horse, um, you know, for what you're doing. Another big one is, is what I'm doing with my horse benefiting their body? So the way that you're working them is that building strong muscles over the top line for them to carry a rider efficiently, or are you just tucking their chin to their chest because it looks pretty, you know, or like, is what you're doing benefiting your horse's body? And, you know, that goes back to your body as well. Like if you know, you're not fit and you're sitting up there like a sack of potatoes, that's hard hard on their body as well. So, um, yeah, I just, I think that my goals as a rider have really changed and not even riding, but like within the Liberty work and stuff too, which I really enjoy is, are the things that I'm doing with my horses helping to develop their body in a way so that we can have a partnership well into their twenties rather than just for the sake of 
competition? Do they look this certain way? Do they fit into this certain style? So I'm nodding my head in agreement. Um, <laughs> I want to back up because we were talking about horses' feelings, right, and emotions. And I believe mm -hmm. there are some people that will argue about it, that horses don't have have feelings or emotions or they don't have the same feelings or emotions so they're not their feelings and emotions aren't important and then you have those who criticize for anthropomorphizing things which i i don't have an issue with but, with, but that's another topic but how would you address that because from my experience as a as a body worker and a lot of the horses that i end up with because nobody else wants them is a lot of it's emotional baggage that we're dealing with and these emotions and trauma get lodged in the body and and so how would you have a conversation with someone or respond to someone saying you know horses don't have feelings or emotions or their feelings and emotions aren't valid or important when it comes to training well if if they want to say that they do have feelings and emotions, but they're not valid when it comes to training, then I'm probably just not even going to bother to have a conversation with them. Um, <laughs> if, Good answer. If they just, you know, don't think that they have them, I, I mean, I don't know how you can look at expressions on their faces like their, I mean, their body language and stuff expresses emotion really well. And you can watch it in the herd. You can watch it in their stall. You can watch it when you interact with them. You can watch it like when you brush them. They'll tell you if they're sore somewhere. Like, so to say that they don't have feelings and emotions, like, Okay, for instance, if a foal dies, they usually leave it in the stall with the mother so the mother has time to understand that her foal is dead. Well, if it didn't matter, then, I mean, that is an emotion and that is a feeling for her to grieve that foal. Like, you, you know, I don't, they're just, to me, there's no denying the fact that they have them. And I've, I've even tried to use like positive reinforcement to change their emotion around something that maybe they find unpleasant, um, like giving shots or saddling. Mm -hmm. I mean, same babe, same mare that I have that with the issues that we were talking about earlier, as soon as you put the saddle pad on her, and I've even recorded it, she reaches out and bites the fence. That is her emotion about being saddled. That's how she feels about what's gonna happen, because you know they know what's gonna happen when you saddle them. Like, so how can you not say, you know? Mm -hmm. To me, that's very apparent, so. And we also know from any equine-assisted type work that horses mirror our emotions, and, the, and there is such a thing as mirror neurons, and that's a whole nother, 
another topic, but they're, if they're capable of mirroring, then they're clearly capable of having, having their own. And, you know, I know that all four of these components are all probably equally important, but if I had to pick one, I would say it's the horse's mind, just in the fact that it's not addressed enough, right? Like, we can say, oh, I had a bad day at work. Maybe you know, I'm not feeling great. I'm not going to ride today. Or, you know, you talked about, oh, I got to work out now that I'm older so that I'm in shape enough to ride. And we always know the horse training, the horse body part to some degree. But I don't think we talk about the horse's mind enough. Do you, I mean, do you think one of, one of these is more important than the other? Um... Well, I guess like for me, I would say the writer's mind because I feel like if the writer gets their mind right, then they're going to notice all these other things and they're going to pay attention to all these other things. I think a lot of times, you know, people don't pay attention because they've never thought about it. So I guess, yeah. And I can say that I haven't always thought about these things either. I mean, there was a time when I just wanted to show and I didn't think about any of these things. So I think the changes that have happened in my mind and stuff benefit all the other components because I'm more aware of them. So I would say the writer's mind. Okay. And it's not a right or a right or wrong no. thing. That's just what it is for you and what it is for me. I was just curious for the sake of conversation. Um, and I and that was our, our whole intention of doing this podcast on this topic is just to bring more awareness around it, right? Yep. Yep. So I hope, you know, I hope that people will um look into this more and and really think about it more. And if they want to dive into it deeper, they can reach out to you on Facebook, right? Yes. Aaron Schroeder or Schroeder Stables. Is there anything else you want to add? Did we I don't cover think it? so. I think we probably more than covered it. <laughs> okay. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for joining me again. And, um, I guess I just want to leave the listeners with a little bit of a, a challenge and really sit and be with like, what is your incentive for riding and, and what you're doing with your horse and how can you apply this four square model? And um, yeah. And if you have oh. any new awarenesses, then um, comment below. Um, I'd love to hear about any new awarenesses you came up with from hearing and learning more about the four square model and until next time enjoy your horse